let's go ahead and we'll get into our message this evening on the armor of God. Again, let me just read through this just as we start tonight. Ephesians 6 verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the spiritual arena that has an influence in this world. But praise God, we're in the kingdom of God and God has an influence in us as well. That's why we put on the whole armor of God and we're drawn from God's kingdom. And then it says here, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, amen, stand and stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all persons and supplication for all saints. Amen. So we've, we've been looking at the armor of God. We have looked at the belt of truth. Praise God. You know, the word of God is the truth. And praise God, we live in grace and truth. And this is a belt that protects us from deception. But it's also a belt that keeps us in freedom. It stops us from falling into a religious trap. It keeps us under grace and truth. Amen. And then we look, we've been looking at righteousness, the um, the breastplate of righteousness. And we did really finish it up last week. I just want to hit on the tail end of it and move on to uh, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace this evening. But you know what? Thank God for righteousness. And what we've been looking at is when you talk about the armor of God with a breastplate of righteousness, it is the gift of righteousness. Amen. You have to put on and be aware of the gift of righteousness, which has nothing to do with our performance, nothing to do with our goodness. It has to do with our standing before God, that we stand before God righteous because of a gift. And so many Christians, they don't realize that they stand before God based on the gift of righteousness. They think they stand before God based on their goodness. And there's many Christians who get saved by grace and then fall into a trap of works where they go, go think that God does things for them and different things like that based on their performance. No, everything's been provided for us in Jesus Christ. Um, our standing with God has nothing got to do with our performance. Nothing. Amen. Does that mean we don't live holy? No, we looked at it last week and we've seen when you, when you work to righteousness, what happens is you sin not. Righteousness gives you a love for the things of God. And you know what? For us as believers, we, we, when we know who we are in Christ, we do get that real hatred towards sin. Even if we're dealing with things, even if you, know, if you fail in an area, and I'm sure we can all relate to this, you can fail in an area and you hate the thing that you failed at. It's like, you know, what did they do that? I hate that. I hate when I do it. I hate when I lose my temper. I hate when I, you know, I do certain things or whatever that may be. I hate it. You know, you want to be free from those natural things that seem to hold us at times. But it's waking the righteousness that sets us free. Awake the righteousness and sin not. Or as um, we, we talked about, you know, we rule and reign in life through the abundance of grace. And the, what, the gift. See, it's always the gift. The gift of righteousness. 
So righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of inferiority or guilt, as though you never sinned or ever will. Your right standing with God is Jesus. That's our right standing. Not our goodness, the gift of righteousness that he gave us. Jesus' standing is our standing. As much as Jesus can come into the presence of God, you can come into the presence of God. At any time, 24-7. Because your standing is not you. Your standing is the righteousness of God that was given to you as a gift. That takes courage to believe that. But I know in my own life, I've failed throughout my Christian walk at different things. I'm not saying like, you know, you go out to fail or you, you know, you go out to blow. I'm saying, I, I've failed, you've failed. We've all missed it in our Christian walk over the years. You realize you need God's grace every day. But I know this here, when any time I've failed, I have a new nature in here that doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't want to. And if you listen to the lies of the devil, you'll come under condemnation. Because the devil go, look what you did. You need to realize your standing is not what you did. Your standing is Jesus. Amen. So I have a standing with God that is not based on my performance. I have a standing with God because I was given a gift. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. But when you understand righteousness, there is a, a change in us. There is a... a a desire to serve God. Amen? Because of life. We looked at it last week. But you know what? Many times people will bring up this, what it talks in, over in First John, where it talks about doing righteousness. Now here's the thing about doing righteousness. Doing righteousness doesn't make you righteous. This is not talking, in 1 John, it is not talking about, you know, you're righteous because you do. What it's shown in 1 John is, it is shown who the real believers are. Because there was false preachers and teachers. There was people who were just teaching out intellect. And they were, um, the whole thing was, you know, the Gnostics and all of that kind of stuff. Which is intellectual enlightenment and all of this kind of stuff. And John was showing the difference between the real believers and people who were just Gnostics. Who were into knowledge and enlightenment, and talk about, you know, we all have a Christ in us, this kind of thing, in ourselves. Now, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, because we're saved. But people talk about this spark, and st they still talk about it in our generation, in different cults and different things. But John was showing the difference between true believers and people who weren't saved. And that's the whole book of John. It shows that there's all tests. It shows tests. So I'm just bringing this out just to show because don't ever base your standing with God on your doing righteousness. Your standing with God is a gift. And it's important for us to understand the difference between doing righteousness. See, when you're righteous, you start to live a righteous life. But your works is not your standing with God. The gift is your standing with God. Let me just look here for a second. Uh, and this is, it's a trap. That's really what it is. Really, our doing righteousness, do you know really what it is? It, it shows outwardly that something took place inwardly. That's really what it is. It becomes, like, it becomes like a proof to people that something took place in our lives that were different. Something changed in us. I know when I got saved, something changed. I wasn't perfect. But I knew, I knew it changed 
because they got a new nature. And in my spirit, old things passed away and all things became new. I wasn't perfect. I'm still not perfect. But I got a new nature, and you got a new nature. And that's what John is showing. True believers got a new nature. And I started changing just like you started changing outwardly, where people seen there's something different about our lives. We're not the same person we used to be. And that becomes a proof to the world that something took place on the inside that has been working its way to the outside. So when we, we do do things, we do live a righteous life, we do live a holy life. But the trap is whenever you start trusting in your holiness. John isn't saying trust in doing. John is saying that your acts of, of a righteous life is proof that something took place on the inside. You understand? It's something completely different. Um, I, I just wrote this down. Let me just read this here. The proof that you are a believer is that it shows up in your life. Okay? But the trap is when you trust in your holy life. Yeah. We live by faith. But we do end up living a holy life. Righteousness is, is the root, okay? Holiness is the fruit. But the root is your standing with God. We should never base our standing with God based on our holiness. Our God will move in my life because of my holiness. Oh God, surely it healed me. I've been good this week. No, it's, healing is based on the stripes of Jesus. Your standing with God is based on the gift of righteousness. That he who knew no sin became sin for you. Amen. That you would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we, we shouldn't confuse um, doing righteousness with the gift of righteousness. Having the gift of righteousness has nothing to do with your behavior. Okay? Because it is what? A gift. But being righteous will affect your behavior. Does that make sense? So we're not righteous because of our behavior. Because we were given a gift. Not, we don't have a righteousness based on our performance. We have a righteousness by a gift. But that gift, I tell you, when you wake up to it, praise God, you will wake to righteousness and you'll sin not. You'll stop sinning. It doesn't mean to say we're perfect, but you know what? Sin won't have dominion over you. You start becoming free from things. People start seeing the change in their lives. In other words... It's like, um, it's like your citizenship, so to speak. It's like, you know, uh, you're, you know being, being Irish or Northern Irish or whatever. You have to cover it all in this island, don't you? Irish, Northern Irish, British, you know, whatever, whatever people want to label themselves. French, Nigerian, American, you know what? Whatever you're born into. You know what? That's, that's your um, citizenship, you know, of your country that you're born into. You become a citizen. Your citizenship has nothing got to do with your behavior, okay? But when you are born into a country, that country then starts to affect your behavior. Because you start living your life. There's certain characteristics that you get from living in a, out of a certain place. Let me tell you, we're righteous before God, not based on our behavior, but because we were born righteous into the kingdom of God. But when you're in the kingdom of God and you walk with God, you know what happens? Your life begins to change outwardly. But your outward change is not your standing with God. 
The gift is your standing with God. That is worlds apart. Amen? Righteousness does affect your behavior, but you're not righteous because of your behavior. You're righteous because you received Jesus and received the gift of righteousness. 1 John 2 and verse 29, it says this. If you know that he is righteous, look at that. You know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. What it's shown is those that are born again starts to affect their outward life. The outward life starts to be seen. But you know what? We're not righteous because of our doing righteousness. We're righteous because of a gift of righteousness. Okay? Doing righteousness doesn't save you. Or it doesn't make you righteous before God. It, it becomes the visible proof that you're saved. Because people see it outwardly. Okay? And 1 John 3 and verse 1, look what it says here. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And it says, therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Look at that. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. It's hard for us to grasp Jesus in the resurrected body, what it is going to be like. It's hard for us to comprehend that. It's hard for us to understand what we're going to be like whenever we get a glorified body. But I tell you, we're going to be just like him, what it's saying. Okay? So all of us who are saved, we are the sons of God. We're not trying to be sons of God. We are the sons of God, daughters of God. Okay? And we know that one day we're going to be with him. And we know that one day we're going to have a new body just like his Okay? Look what it says in verse 3. And every man that has that hope in him, notice what happens. He purifies himself, even as he is pure. A true believer, their life starts to change. Why? Out of a nature. Amen? Out of that nature. And the more you awake to that nature, the more righteous conscious you become, the more you know you have the gift of righteousness and you live out of it. And you don't base your life on your performance. You base your life on your standing with God. You know what happens? It starts to affect your performance. But you never trust in your performance because that is the trap. Does God want us to be holy? Yes. But he doesn't want us to trust in our holiness. Holiness is a fruit it is not a root. It is not a root of your, of your standing with God. It is an outworking of your relationship because you're in relationship with God. It affects your life. Everyone who has this hope in them purifies themselves. Why? Because from the inside out, you have a new nature. Things start changing in your life. Why? Because you have new desires. When you walk with God, there's certain things you don't want to do anymore. Even if you're, that's what I'm saying, even if there's things that you're dealing with, there's things in my life that I have dealt with over the years and seem to be getting to better me for a long time. And, but I just stayed in that awareness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I stayed with that awareness and that awareness and that awareness. And you know, after a while, then you start to, to see that being flushed out of your life. But it's not by our goodness. It's because we have a standing with God. Amen. When you know that standing, you awake to it. Brings change. Look at this here again. 1 John chapter 3 
And again, this is just reading on down here in 1 John, that we're sons of God, we have this hope in us, we purify ourselves. Look what it says in verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sins not. Sometimes people say, oh, I still sin. See, it's talking here about a nature. It's talking about here, now we're the sons of God, okay? Whosoever sins has not seen him, neither knows him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is what? Righteous. See, is. I already am righteous. I'm not doing righteous to be righteous. I am righteous, therefore it affects a righteous life. You understand? See, it says he that does righteousness is. I already am righteous. But because I am righteous... Then it shows up in your life. And John's saying it's a visible proof. People who are truly saved, you see a change in their life. You see a hunger. You see a desire. You see a desire to walk with God because they've got a, they've, they've a nature change. Man, man, it's not religion we got. It's life we got. So, but John is showing here clearly that you, know, we do, you don't trust in your behavior you trust in the gift. You are righteous. So, do we do righteousness? Yes. But don't trust in your works. Don't trust in your goodness. Don't trust in the change in your life. Thank God for the change. But trust in the gift of righteousness. That's your standing with God. Because if you trust in your performance, if you fall flat on your face, you feel like you've lost your right standing with God. So you feel like you can't come before God boldly. But when you understand the gift, you come before God magnifying Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, you died. You took my sin. You took my place. I'm here because of the grace of God. And I worship you. And I come to receive from you, my Father. Amen. Why? On a gift. Now, now when it says there, you know, in verse 6 there, where it talked about, you know, whosoever abides... And him sins not. It's talking about here from your nature. Okay? Down in verse um, 9, look what it says here. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, we all know as believers, we can sin. Okay? Many have did wrong things from you got saved. I know I have. We all have. So it's not talking about our, our, our actions here. It, it, in this part, it's talking about our nature. We can't sin through our spirit, is what it's saying. Because we have a new spirit. And because we have a new nature, the seed of God's word that we are born again by, it remains in us. You're saved by the incorruptible seed of God's word. It remains in your spirit. You're born again of that. Amen. You're, in other words, what it's saying here is your spirit can't sin. Okay? And people who are truly saved, there's a change takes place. Doesn't mean to say we're perfect, but it means there's a change in here. Some translations talk here and this here, they talk about habitually sin, where Christians don't habitually sin. And yet that doesn't do it for me either because there's some Christians still dealing with things. Okay? But what it is talking about is you don't sin from your spirit. And if you wake up to that, God will start bringing change into your life. Amen. And this is manifest. This is what John's bringing out here. When it talks about righteousness and doing righteousness, look what he says in verse 10. In this is manifest that the children of God 
or sorry, in this the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not born of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. In other words, it gets down to nature. You know, when we hate people, it's not reflecting the nature. Okay? Um, the best way I ever heard this here explained to me was um, on a teaching that I heard years ago that the word here, what it's talking about here, when it talks about a believer can't sin, it's talking about from nature, okay? Like, I play guitar, okay? But I need the chords in front of me. Take away the chords, I'm going to find it hard to play, okay? Because I need the chords. But do you ever hear someone play and they don't need chords? Do you ever hear someone that just put on the, the guitar and they can, like, jam? They don't need anything. Do you know why? Because the music comes from within them. You understand it? It's like it comes from deep in here, up them, down their arms, right into their fingers. Do you know what that is? That's coming from a nature. That's what it's talking about for us as believers. You know what? It's not that we don't feel out here. We do because we have a mind that needs to be renewed and we have a body that needs to be brought under. But our spirit is righteous. That's what John's saying. And when you see a change in someone's life, look, there's someone I've seen recently there, they're just saved. And you can see a change in them. They're just saved. Did they have it all together? No. But there's a change of direction in their life. You understand? For all of us, we're saved. You're righteous by gift. It does show up in your life. And people start to see that you're a believer. Praise God, you become a witness for Jesus Christ because people can see Jesus in you. But I'm just bringing that out because that's a trap many times. See, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're putting on the gift of righteousness. Don't think your actions. Don't think you're doing. Don't think you're performing because the devil will beat your brains out every time you miss it. And you'll feel like you have to land the ground like a worm until you feel better. And then I can come back into the presence of God. No, you don't understand the gift of righteousness if you do that. When you understand the gift of righteousness, when you're flat on your face, you'll say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you took my sin and you made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Help me understand more and more the righteousness, the gift of righteousness. You know what that'll do? That'll get you back up on your feet. Amen. Amen. Because you're standing in his righteousness, not in yours. But the devil will condemn you if you don't know, and that becomes a trap. Now, let me look at the next part this evening for just a bit. I'm just going to introduce it this evening. But that is where in Ephesians 6 and verse 15, where it says, Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, here's... An image here, I think I have up here, of, of the Roman soldiers' footwear, okay? And I'll talk a bit, about, a bit more about it next week. But you know what you can see where they had hobnails on the bottom. And it had to do with your, your, your footing. That's what it had to do. It gave you a firm standing, okay? And this is so important when it comes to understanding the gospel of peace. Because if you don't understand the gospel of peace, you won't have a firm footing in life. And I'll talk a wee bit more about that um, next week. But what I want to just hit on this evening, just for a moment, is I just want to hit on the gospel of peace. 
Um, because it is so important for us to understand the gospel of peace, okay? And I'll say this as well. Wearing the, these shoes, okay, the, this footwear of the gospel of peace is not evangelism. This has to do with our standing against the wiles of the devil, okay? It's not us out evangelizing, yet that's important. And you do end up with beautiful feet when you do go evangelizing, but what you're bringing to the world is the gospel of peace, okay? But when it talks about the armor, we have to have this armor on so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. It's about us standing against the wiles of the devil, not doing evangelism here, okay? But evangelism is an outworking when you have this understanding. So um, I'll, I'll talk about that. We'll understand that as we go along. But here's the thing. We've looked at truth, the belt of truth. We've looked at the breastplate of righteousness, do you know what the Bible lets us know when you understand righteousness? Do you know what follows? Peace. Peace. That's why we're putting this armor on. You have to have it all on. Now, in Romans 5, look what it says here in verse 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith. See, we're justified by faith. Justified means declared righteous. Justified means just as if you had never sinned. That's what righteousness gives you. It gives you a standing with God. And we have been declared righteous. Amen. Now, when you've been declared righteous, look what it says. We have what? Peace with God. Now, this is peace with God. There's two different types of peace, okay? There's peace with God. And then there is the peace of God. Okay? Peace with God has nothing to do with your feelings. So, you know, there's times in our life where we really know the peace of God. Okay? But when it talks about having peace, of, peace with God, peace with God is not something you feel. It's not like, oh, I feel I'm in peace with God. That has nothing got to do with it, because tomorrow you might feel you don't have any peace. You might blow it. You might make a, you might make a big blunder tomorrow. You might lose your temper tomorrow. And if you went on your feelings, you might not feel like you're at peace with God. But you see, it's peace with God. It is a constant, and it has nothing to do with your feelings. And this becomes part of our armor. To where you know that you are in peace with God. Why? Because I'm righteous now before the Father. Therefore, I have peace with God. Amen. There's no enmity between me and God, between you and God. There's no hostility between you and God. Let me tell you, God's not angry with you. Amen. God's not against you. There's no... There's no um, Often you hear this phrase being said, there's a wedge between me and God. Every time I sin, there's a wedge between me and God. You have peace with God. There is no wedge between you and God. You are at peace with God when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. And if the devil can deceive you into thinking that God is mad at you, that God is angry with you, that God's temper is boiling towards you, you'll back off instead of standing and having done all to stand. Amen? We need to know that we have peace with God. 
This peace is not based on your feelings. It has nothing to do with your feelings. This peace is based on the blood of Jesus. Amen. You have peace with God because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of something that you have done. Because if we went on our feelings and emotions, they can come and go. And thank God, you know, God give us feelings. Feelings are to be enjoyed. They're the spice of life. And you're able to express yourself with feelings. Like when Liverpool scores, Samuel does shout, okay? And when someone scores against Liverpool, I shout. You know, it's <laughs> we express ourselves through our feelings. We use our feelings and emotions many times, even in, in praise and worship God. It's a joyous experience, even though it's out of our spirit, but it affects us. You know what? We're happy and rejoice and we love it because God has given us a, a, a way of expressing ourselves. But here's the thing about feelings. Feelings go up and down. They go up and down. They go up and down. See, the peace of God, the peace, or the peace with God, I should say, the peace with God, it never fluctuates. The peace with God is our um, vertical peace. It is peace between us and God, even though we have Christ in us, but just for illustration, it is a vertical peace. And see that vertical peace, I don't care how you feel, when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you are at peace with God. Colossians um, 1 and verse um, 20, look what it says here, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, not your goodness, not your performance, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile, that word is key, all things unto himself. By him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. Um, this is a peace like, you know, whenever countries are at war with each other. And then there is reconciliation. When there's reconciliation, there's then peace. Those two countries are not at war anymore. But you know what? Because of Adam's sin, Adam's sin separated us from God. And there was a division there. And that sin had to be paid for. And God is a righteous God and a holy God. And God can't overlook sin. So it had to be paid for. And until that sin was paid for, there was hostility. Even though God in his mercy was reaching to man, even though God in his love and compassion um, had a plan of redemption, and God did everything under the Old Testament through animal sacrifices to deal with man in a righteous way as best as he could. But there was still that separation until Jesus came and paid the price for sin. And Jesus removed the enmity. Jesus removed what was against us because it was sin that was against us. So Jesus came and paid the price for our sin. Praise God. Giving us a, a clear run to the Father through Jesus. And over in Ephesians it says here in verse 14 it says, For He is our peace. Not our, not our performance. Jesus is our peace. He is our peace who has made both one. Talking about the Jew and the Gentile. Hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh. Look at that, the enmity. 
Even the law of commandments contained an ordinance to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. Look at that. That he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God. So we have reconciliation with the Father because of Jesus, because of the blood of his cross. So when you're talking about are you at peace with God, you should say absolutely yes. Straight away I am. Yes. Amen. You shouldn't feel and live like God's angry at me. God's out to get me. Does God correct us? Yes, because we're his children. But he doesn't correct us with sickness and disease or tragedy or calamity. He corrects us in love with his word. He shows us a better way. He shows us through the word of God there's a better path for your life. God is always correcting us because we're children. We belong to him. He loves us. Amen. He's the father of spirits who corrects us in our spirit. You know, we had fathers in the flesh, the Bible says, who disciplined us in the natural arena. But we have a father of spirits who loves us because we're children. And it's a proof that you are a child of God when he, he, he keeps t- letting you know, don't do that, don't go down that path because he loves you so much. So God does correct us. But I'm telling you, the war is over between us and God. There is no war. There is no hostility because Jesus brought reconciliation. (laughs) Reconciliation means restore friendly relationships between two parties. Sin separated us, but Jesus brought reconciliation. You have to settle it in your heart. You have peace with God. When you're declared righteous, you have peace with God. I don't feel like God's on my side. I couldn't care less. What does he say? He's for us and not against us. 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5. This whole chapter talks about this. It talks about having reconciliation and then us having that ministry of reconciliation to the world. See, that's evangelism out of that. But first of all, we are reconciled to God. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Look at this. Who has reconciled us. Amen. God reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. You are reconciled. People say, I'm not on good terms with God. Are you a believer? If you're a believer, you're on good terms with God. You may not have it all together outwardly. There's people need to, you know, get in church and allow God's word to work in their life and different things like that. But when you're a believer, you have peace with God. Our generation bases so much on their feelings that they don't base it on the blood of Jesus. And yet we should live based on the blood of Jesus. What Jesus accomplished for us, not how we feel. Look at this here. See, we are reconciled. And then he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. See, if you don't know you have peace with God, you're going to find it very hard when it comes to evangelizing the world. Because the very message we bring to the world is the fact that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And that Jesus 
paid the price for sin so that God is not standing with a finger at the world. He is standing with a hand out to the world. And our ministry is to implore people to be reconciled to God because God is not holding their sin against them anymore because Jesus paid the price for their sin. Now, if they die in their sin, then their sin comes into play. And in life, if you live in sin, there's consequences to sin. But the price for sin has been paid for. Our message is not to go and condemn the world and tell them everything that's wrong in their life. Our message is to go to the world and let them know that, yes, you're a sinner in need of a Savior, but the good news is God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price for your sin so that the enmity could be removed out of the road. There is no enmity there anymore. If you die and go into lost eternity, it's not God's fault. God paid the price for your sin. And he loves you. And he wants you in his family. That's the minister of reconciliation. God wants to be at peace with you. God has a hand out to you. Be you reconciled to God. You see, even whenever Adam sinned, God never changed. Because God doesn't change. I'm the Lord God, I change none. God was still in the same position. It was man. Sin separated man from God. Okay, not God from man. Man from God. That's why when you get saved, you're reconciled back to God. God never moved. And the only way to be reconciled to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you get the gift of righteousness. Amen. And you're declared righteous, and then you have peace with God. The war is over forever. Amen. And you have to settle that. Because I tell you, just in closing here, do you see this um, part of the armor having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? It has everything got to do with you knowing you're in right relationship with God. And the devil, let me tell you, if the, if the devil can get you to doubt your salvation... He can swipe your feet from underneath you. You're off balance. But you see, when you know you're saved, I'm saved, and I know that I am. How do you know you are? Is it because is it you feel it? No, it's because I know I'm saved. The Word says I'm saved. Amen. The Word says I have peace with God. The Word says that I am in reconciliation. I have peace with God. The gospel gives you peace with God. When you know you're in peace with God, you are sure-footed. Yeah. When, when I done martial arts, when I was a teenager, the first thing, one of the first things they did was they, they taught you how to stand. They taught you how to balance yourself so that if you got a foot, no, if somebody tried to sweep your feet, that you wouldn't go down. So you learned how to put your, your weight on your back leg so that if somebody done a sweep on your front leg they just your leg went like that but you never went down they teach you how to stand in boxing they teach you how to stand it's all positions they teach you combat any type of combat they teach you how to stand let me tell you do you see if the devil can get you believing that you've lost your salvation because of something you did you're all wobbly and you can go down like a sack of spuds but I'm telling you, you see, when you know I'm at peace with God because of the blood of Jesus, you are sure-footed. And the devil can't.
can't use that against you anymore. Instead of falling for his lies and you're losing, you're losing, you're missing out on so much in God. You'll stand up and the devil will come and say, you're not saved. And you'll say, I'm saved and I know that I am. How do you know that you're saved? Because the word says I'm saved. I've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. I am justified. Therefore, I have peace with God. I am reconciled to the Father. Who do you think you are to try and come and tell me lies of who I am? I'm a child of God. You know what? You get fighting talk as in with the devil. We're not fighting flesh and blood. Amen. I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm saved. Amen. Amen. Praise God for being saved. But we'll take us up the next time. But that's what's talking the gospel of peace. You need that firm, grounded in your life that I'm saved. It becomes a weapon against the wiles of the devil. Amen.